the hottest sports news, the hottest sports takes with the hottest sports dudes. It is live from the 815. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Call, no. call. <laughs> no, I'm ready. God damn it. All right. <laughs> it's episode 26, live from the 815 podcast, special Hall of Fame edition, because me and Jake just interviewed baseball Hall of Famer Ferguson Fergie Jenkins. Who might be our close personal friend? I asked him, and he just said, "Yeah, all right." Yeah, no, we're pretty sure we're best friends now. All three of us. We're going. We have uh, tickets to the zoo coming up, we're so getting, we're getting brunch soon. <laughs> so yeah, we're not kidding. We actually did interview Fergie Jenkins. Yeah, we met him at a school, and uh, we had one freaking heck of a time. It was it was a blast. He told us a little bit about his um, Harlem Globetrotters career. Talked about his. His war now, and we talked about how he got robbed in a Cy Young voting. Yeah, and uh, we learn all about his books that are coming out, too. Lots of books you can check out. The books will be uh, in the uh, description below this episode, and you can find the links to buy his books. And here's our interview with Ferguson Jenkins. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. MLB and Canadian Baseball Hall of Famer, former Cub great, and my grandma Dorothy's favorite player during during uh, her time, Fergie Jenkins. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Full live studio right. audience. All right, Fergie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. Thank you for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, we'd like to jump right into your current book projects. Uh, new book due to release on February 22nd called Champions, 15 Inspiring Comeback Stories from Sports and Life. And from what I can see, you're featured on the cover, and from what I understand, you have a chapter about your story of overcoming adversity and challenges. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I think everybody has uh, things that happen in their life, and uh, I've publicized it some of my other books that i put together. But the, the, the important thing is uh, a lot of times people want to find out what the real Fergie Jenkins is all about, or the athlete itself. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to put it down in, in, in paper. Uh, I had a couple of trials and to I think it just uh, I think it makes you a better individual. My mother died really young from cancer, fifty two years old, and she suffered. She got got sick in in sixty eight and died in nineteen seventy while I was still playing at the time. And I used to go home on off days. I used to drive from Chicago uh, up to Detroit and then across the border into Canada. Stay with my mother for a day and then drive back. Uh, and then I lost a, a beautiful wife uh, to a car accident. And lost a daughter to a car problem, suicide. But uh, you know, everybody I think has challenges in their lives. Uh, my son Raymond, who lives in Wheaton, on the border of Wheaton and Naperville, he was 11 when he lost his mom, Marianne. And we both sat in on uh, counseling. And uh, Raymond at the time didn't really understand what counseling was all about, but he does now. He's now 35 years old, and I tried to explain it to him. That unfortunately, you can't safeguard everybody. Uh, mother was coming home late at night, car accident. Incredible. She would 
especially at night, she would stop if she seen a possum or a rabbit or something in the road. And I think a deer spooked her and she turned hard to get out of the way and went into a ditch with ejected her through the front window. Uh, broke her neck and uh, a couple of ribs punctured her lung. Well, she died in intensive care, which is unfortunate. A young lady, uh, only 34 years old. Mm -hmm. That's awful. That's, that's definitely the uh, definition of adversity and challenges, I'd say. So that, that'll be a great read. And it's due to release on February 22nd. I'm, sh I'm sure we can learn a lot from that. Um, so moving on to another project, your Fergie Jenkins Foundation and, and the uh, Chicago Cubs have both endorsed Mom's Big Catch, a children's book by, by author Marla McKenna. So how did you get involved in the project, and how is it having Marla involved in your autograph appearances? Well, this beautiful lady puts children's books together. Mm -hmm. uh, she, I think, talked to Carl. He's the president of my foundation first. And she got invited to spring training. And she showed me her book, and I read it. And it's basically about the Cubs, a little about me, about uh, Mom's Big Catch. And, and I, I think the thing that uh, kind of touched home is that kids can read this from all ages, from like 6 to, to 12 years old. And they understand that Mom is, is an influential, influential person in your life. Took her to a ball game. And she was able to understand that catching a ball, uh, even if you don't have boys, you can teach your daughter how to catch. Yeah. And the theory on it is what baseball is all about. Uh, and girls understand the game as well as boys do. But uh, mom tried to explain it to her that uh, uh, Chicago Cubs and myself uh, were part of this book. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Looks like a, looks like a perfect book for kids. Beautifully illustrated. It is. I mean, it's got all, uh, and she had a, an artist. This is Marla in the back, mm. and she had uh, an artist illustrate uh, different uh, pages about what the book's all about. Yeah, we'll be sure to link all these books so you guys can check them out after this interview. There he is. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in part of that too. <laughs> what a yes. what a good looking guy in there. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, all right. So in November of this year. You and 15-time author George Castle started writing your fifth book due to release in January of 2019 in conjunction with the 50th anniversary of the 69 Cubs. Uh, tell us what that book's all about. Well, we're going to try to let people know exactly how the Cubs started their winning in 1969. And basically it all started in 67. Well, I joined the ball club in 66. And the nucleus of the players, we played together for eight years. And this was like the fourth year that Sanel, Banks, Williams, Kessinger, Bethany Hunt, and we were all together uh, basically to try to win a division championship. Uh, we were picked to win in 69 in the spring. Uh, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, all the different Chicago papers were picking our ball club to uh, win the division. We started off really good, won our first game, won our first series at home. And we had a fabulous record in April. We stayed in first place for five months. And then, unfortunately, we got caught by the Mets. Oh. And I tell people we didn't get caught. <laughs> we, we didn't beat ourselves. We, were, we, we got plenty of hits, but we hit in the, a record number of double plays. Yeah. It was kind of an incredible situation where we got hits. We should have scored more runs, but unfortunately it didn't happen. And the Mets had an incredible uh, 20 games within the month of uh, September. They won like, 
I'd say 17 out of 22 ball games. Yeah. <laughs> and we were 500. We uh, out of 22 games, I think we we won 11. Yeah. And they end up catching us and bypassing it. We end up winning 90 plus games, and didn't win a division. No, not win a division. That sounds like an amazing book to read. Like yeah. exactly what it's going to be a lot of fun life. because uh, I room with Ernie Banks the last three years we played, and I'm trying to reiterate that what Ernie was all about. I mean, he was joyful, jubilous kind of individual. Never talked about himself. Always about the team, about what it needed to improve. Ron Sano, gutsy individual. Uh, Becker, they called him Bruno. This guy would he'd run through a wall to, to win a ball game. Glenn Becker. He was yeah. my best man at my wedding. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've known Glenn Becker over 50 years. Cool. So, I mean, I just put things together. We're going to talk about Hickman and Bill Hands and uh, Jimmy Qualls, Rich Knight. I mean, so many of the guys that were part of that 69 ball club. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think that's all we got for books, so we can jump on to your Hall of Fame career. Uh, so you once threw 30 complete games in a season, and you consistently threw 20-plus complete games. Last year, the league leader, the league, league leader in complete games in the MLB had five. Uh, do you think pitchers have gotten softer? Were you tougher? And also, do you think you would have been more successful if you knew you only had to throw 200 innings in a year? Or six to seven innings a night. For those of you that can't see, Fergie's just laughing at him right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd have probably uh, still be pitching now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? I look back at some of the the work ethics that we had in in my era. We ran every day. Mm-hmm. I threw batting practice after starts, which they don't even think about doing. No way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I threw the extra man at least ten to fifteen minutes between starts. Um, I just think that. Uh, these talented young men can do it, but they're not asked to do it. Mm-hmm. They ask them to throw five innings, 100 pitches, your day's done. Mm-hmm. They only throw once a week. Yeah, uh, I, I documented it uh, twice. I threw three games in a week, Monday, Thursday, Sunday. <laughs> and that's just not probably done three, anymore. Probably three complete games, too. Well, I'm not sure. If <laughs> I don't know if I won them or not, yeah. but I started it. But uh, the, winning, winning uh, 20 games was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Pitching 300 innings meant that you were healthy enough to go out there every fourth game, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed doing. And I enjoy playing the game. Uh, baseball, to me, uh, was kind of the, the focal point of, of, of what you'd like to do. Uh, I was a hockey player as a kid. I used to think hockey was the best sport in, 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 in anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up being a Montreal Canadiens fan. Probably Doug easy. Harvey was a great defenseman. I used to patting myself after him, moving the puck. And then Bobby Orr showed up, a yep. rushing a rushing defenseman. Yep. <laughs> but I just enjoyed it. And I had a series I played three seasons with the Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. But when baseball entered the picture come January, I focused in on, on getting in real good shape, staying in shape. And I was really knocked on the wood and never had a sore arm out of 21 seasons. That's never amazing. Had a sore arm. So I was fortunate. Fortunate enough that maybe good genetics and mm-hmm. a, a real easy windup, and I enjoyed playing. I always thought that if it was my turn to pitch, I was going to be out there. Yeah, and I tried to to understand that pitching was how a team propels itself in the standings, and to try to win as many games as possible. Two hundred eighty-four wins in his career, by the way. Exact, but who's counting, right? Yeah, two hundred eighty-four wins. And exactly 267 complete games, which is absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Um, sort of piggybacking off that question, do you think pitchers now 
are feeling a sore arm by more of like a mental standpoint, or do you think it's just how how they work and the types of pitches that they throw? Well, I think they're they're incredibly rich because of the contracts they get now. <laughs> Very rich, <laughs> and I think owners try to safeguard the individual along with their agents. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't you don't want to hurt anybody that's making eighty five million dollars and he's going to be your number one pitcher or number two pitcher on your ball club. So I think their safeguard is maybe a little too much. Okay. Uh, the, the workout programs are totally different. I never lift weights. These guys have a goals gym in every clubhouse, yeah. which is something a little different. Uh, they, they all lift weights. Uh, when I was a pitching coach with the Rangers and also with Cincinnati, pitchers were obligated to lift twice a week. Yeah. I used to supervise it. If you guys want to lift, fine. <laughs> if you don't want to lift, hey, it's up to you yeah. as individuals. There's certain guys that they want to buff up a little bit. They say, well, I'll be stronger in September. I said, that five-ounce ball will make you strong. Mm -hmm. Just keep throwing it. But you got you got to convince guys a lot yeah. of times. But uh, I just think that the game is, is totally different than when I played. Yeah. Makes sense, though. Yeah. Um, so you finished top three in, in Cy, Young, Cy Young voting five times in your career. You won one award. Um, were you into awards like that during your career? And if so, uh, do you think there was ever a year that you got robbed of, of winning the Cy Young? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the first place ballots is what you want to get. Yeah. Uh, the year that I won it, I, I out-balloted Seaver. Mm -hmm. he, he had won 23 games, and I won 24, and I had more innings pitched, more strikeouts, and I just got more first, first place votes. Yeah. The year I, I should have won it was in 74. Uh, I beat Oakland five times, and Catfish Hunter and I had the same record. We, won, we both won 25 games, and he outpointed me. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, it would have been nice to have won it again. Okay. But I won it once. Yeah. I was the first Cub to win it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I enjoyed that part. You know, I was 25, 26 years old when my first Cy Young. Mm -hmm. And I always told myself if I stayed in real good shape, as I said earlier, pitched well enough to win 20 games, it could happen again. Yeah. But it never did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was fortunate enough to do it once. Well, that's that's impressive enough. Um, I'd like to know how you feel about uh, new age stats nowadays, such as sabermetrics and war, uh, wins above replacement, that is. And uh, if you even know what your career war is. is Got no it? idea what it is. No idea. Everything is like short form personified now. Mm -hmm. And everything is categorized. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when I played, sure, we had the category. We had complete games. Games won, lost, uh, game starts, and strikeouts, ERA. So there were some stats back then. I always try to keep my ERA under three. Uh, I always wanted to try to win 20 ball games. And if I stayed healthy, that opportunity was was going to happen, I think, because of the fact that I had good teammates. Yeah. Guys played hard for me. When I look back at some of the Cub teams, Texas, and also Boston, I got hurt in Boston. I was going to try to win 20 games in Boston, but it didn't work out. Mm. But yeah. uh, it just, things that happen. But now, with you say sabermetrics, yes. uh, you really don't have to do much. <laughs> uh, quality starts five innings or yep. six innings. Six, yeah. And uh, it's a three ERA. Yep. You know. And then you're $100 million richer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You make a lot of money. <laughs> I'd like to let you know, if you're curious, you, do, you have a very impressive career war. 52nd all-time in all of baseball, ahead of names such as Pedro Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr., Nolan Ryan, Tom Glavin, 
you're ahead of all these guys. So if you yeah. ever see them out in the public, let them know that we told you that. <laughs> yeah, and then you weren't that much better. Oh, than them. war. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very cool. Um. So you you mentioned it earlier. Players back in back in your time had uh, second jobs. So some were accountants, some were teachers. You were a Harlem Globetrotter. Uh, do you do you know how much cooler that is than everyone's job? And, <laughs> yeah. And how did you get into becoming a Globetrotter? Well, in 1967, uh, I won 20, 20 or 21 games, something like that. And uh, Joe Zavino was a marketing individual with the Globetrotters. They had a downtown office on Michigan Avenue. This guy showed up at the ballpark and we taking batting practice in September. And the guy's walking through the stands with a, a three-piece suit and a briefcase. Yeah. And he's waving like this. I don't know what he's doing. I'm playing short center field, shagging fly balls in batting practice. I said, that guy's not going to serve me with something. Is he <laughs> keep waving and shouting my name? So I said, Rich Nye. I said, Rich, ask this guy what he wants. He said, he wants to talk to you. I said, who is this guy? So I walk over the wall and he introduces himself. He says, uh, I represent the Globetrotters. Are you going to go back to Canada in the offseason? I said, well, yeah, I plan a 10-month visa. Which I always went home. My dad and I had a ranch together, a farm yeah. ranch. And he said, Well, we'd like you to join the Globetrotters. We'd like you to be the pitcher in the skit when Metal Lark Lemon hits a home run every night. Yeah. And I kind of went, Like, oh, what? no way. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, How many games do you want me to play? He said, Oh, a couple of dozen. I said, Okay, we're going to start Montreal and work our way down to your, to your hometown, Chatham. And that'll be it. You might maybe play 25, 30 games. I said, uh, Okay, I'll consider it. He says, well, the team's coming back in town before the season's over. We'd like you to come meet the players, do a shoot-around, and just get acclimated with some of the guys. I already knew Meadowlark, and I knew uh, uh, Geese Osby. Was, Geese Osby was a – was a, uh, he went to Philander Smith College in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. so I knew him. And uh, just to, to see the Globetrotters, I said, that might be interesting to do. Yeah. So I did a shoot-around. I was able to handle myself okay because uh, mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed basketball. I played three sports in, in high school. Uh, Metal Arc uh, kind of gave me the script, what I have to do. And I, I was a, the guy that played the third quarter every night. I played almost 185 games in three years. Of, <laughs> That's more than a and, couple dozen. No, you're right. <laughs> uh, the, the first year, probably maybe 50 games. We played uh, every <laughs> campus in the United States. I made pretty good money. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, uh, because somebody's putting their fingers together. My 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 big league contract with the, with the Cubs in 1967 was fourteen thousand dollars. I made sixteen with a glow drop. Wow! Off season job. So the white one. Are you going to do it again? I said, I'll do it again. So I did it in '68. I won twenty games again. I did it in '69. And then when the '70 season showed up, I said, guys, I don't think I could keep doing this because. You know, it's got, it got to the point where it was taxing. And we travel on all buses. Mm -hmm. The odd time I'd fly into maybe one of the bigger cities and, and do some uh, radio and TV saying that they had a 20-game winner. Fergie Jenkins traveled with the Globetrotters. And I'm the pitcher each night that's going to give up the home run to Metal Arc, <laughs> which was fun to do. Uh, the guys were incredible. Uh, Jackie Jackson, Mel Davis, Metal Arc, Curley, Leon Hilliard, Showboat Hall. Mm -hmm. I mean... A lot of these guys have passed on, but incredible athletes. Yeah, could have played in the NBA. All these guys, uh, Bobby Joe Mason did. He was a he was an All American. Uh, Dee Sosby, uh, 
he broke Oscar Robinson's record for points for a small college in uh, in Arkansas. Yeah. So these guys were talented mm -hmm. to the point where there were no slouch when they were out there playing. And we played the the Washington Generals every night. We never lost. <laughs> did you ever think that you were going to be part of the team that did lose? Were you ever nervous? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, oh, no. Whenever, whenever, we, the whenever we got close, or the Generals got close, we'd do a ream or a, yeah. a shootout. And we'd maybe two or three points ahead. Yep. Uh, there were a couple of close games. But yeah. they, they played. They were talented players, too, on the other ball club. Yeah, I'm sure. So $14,000 from the Cubs, sixteen from the Globetrotters. And uh, if you haven't heard, the Cubs just signed a guy slotted to be their fifth starter. He's making $12.5 million next year, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but I'm happy for him. Hey, yeah. if you're going to make that money, use it. Exactly. Yeah. Do something with it. Exactly. You know, it's just a different era now. Mm -hmm. when, when I was one of the first Cubs to make 100000 along with Billy Williams mm -hmm. and Sando. And uh, when I went to uh, Boston, I was in the $200,000 range. And uh, I came back to the Cubs. Uh, I, I signed a two-year contract for almost three, three, three fifty. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was good money. Mm -hmm. But the money they make now, it's like you're winning a lottery. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I tell myself, if you've got a good agent, good CPA, somebody's going to take care of your money, yeah. just don't lose it. If someone's going to pay you, take it. You know? Yeah, and don't get into bad investments. Mm -hmm. A lot of players do. Yeah, it happen. It can happen. Like anything, it. I mean, somebody sees that you're making lots of money. They're going to try to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about some pitchers earlier when you're talking about Catfish Hunter. That was very cool. Who were some pitchers that you idolized growing up before you became joined the MLB? And uh, who were some pitchers that you or players even that you really respected, other than uh, teammates around the league? Who would you really well, respect? You know, I, I think as a kid growing up, the Yankees always seemed to be on the on the NBC Game of the Week, Whitey mm -hmm. Ford pitched. Uh, Frank Larry pitched for the Tigers. And I, I lived only 60 miles from Detroit on the Canadian side. Uh, the guy I, I idolized really was Larry Doby, who was the second uh, black player to play in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad at the time, I was 15 years old, took me to a game in Tiger Stadium. He had two home runs, and they cheered a visiting ball club player. Yeah, He was a center fielder. He was a, what a heck of a hitter. And I said, Dad, you know, I like baseball. I'm 15, 16 years old. Yeah. This game's all right. Yeah. And I didn't start to pitch until I was 16. Two years later, I wow. signed up a contract with the Phillies. Oh, wow. And hard work. Somebody like me got mm -hmm. the big leagues early. Signed at 18, got the big leagues when I was 21. That's awesome. So, I'm not sure you needed anyone to like you with the kind of production <laughs> well, you had. Uh, when I was a kid, it was it was tough. I mean, you know, you don't put up those numbers unless you got good teammates. Exactly. Yeah. And I played uh, two and a half seasons of minor leagues. and. It was a struggle, yeah. But you know, I worked through it. I worked through it. That's awesome. Um, so you played most of your career with the Cubs, and then you even had a, a cup of coffee with the Red Sox. You're currently wearing the Cubs World Series ring, which me as a Cubs fan is the greatest thing I've ever seen in real life. Um, Jake here is actually a Sox fan, I'm but <laughs> was, while you were playing, did you ever um, believe in the curse, or did any of your teammates ever bring it up? And then, how cool was it to see both curses or streaks come to an end during your life? Well. You know, it was always brought up when the team was playing well that uh, it was always the curse of the GOAT or Babe Ruth uh, pointing the bat at one of the opposing pitcher and hitting a home run. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that, sure, they're going to put a news uh, uh, flash about the, the team is playing well, but watch out, the curse is going to get you. Yeah. And I, I just never believed in that. And as a kid growing up, you know, I never believed in black cats. And I was involved in a black cat yeah. incident 
in New York. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just think that you put that uniform on, you play as hard as you can to try to win. The opposing team wants to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're the best team that day, you're going to win. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it just didn't happen in the, the time that I played for the Cubs. And these young men that did it in 2016, my hat's off to them. They were great athletes, really yeah. good ballplayers. They had some good pitching, which is by far the thing you got to have, and clutch hitting. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, they didn't have it this year, this past season, 2017. It came on the second half, but not good enough that, yeah. that, that they were going to Gonna, gonna continue. Yeah, they're young enough to keep it around. Though, well, I so. think so. I, they're going to lose a few guys. Yeah. Arietta doesn't want to sign with them. Yeah. He wants to go free agent to make big money. Which, they, which good for him here. Oh, yeah, know. totally. I mean, if, if you're out there and you're an athlete and you've got the numbers, why not test the market exactly. and see what happens? Absolutely. I think it's, it's only part of what the game's all, any sport's all mm -hmm. about. Exactly. Yeah, the Cubs that I heard are still looking for starting pitching, and you look really good for <laughs> 75. Happy uh, birthday the other yeah, day. Yeah, right. Thanks. I could probably throw good batting practice. That's no. about it. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like you weren't superstitious, but what were some of the craziest superstitions you saw during your career? Any teammates that were out there with the, what they did? Well, I was a pitching coach, 95-96. Uh, we had Turk Wendell on our ball club. He used to chew licorice and brush his teeth between innings. He Every never inning? jump over a double line. Mm -hmm. He'd never want to take the ball from the umpire. Mm -hmm. I said, Turk, the umpire's your friend. This is the game where the umpire calls pitches. If he throws you the ball, catch it. Don't wait for your catcher to throw you the ball. He let the ball fly by him. I said, don't, don't tick off the umpire. I mean, he's your best friend. Yeah, that makes, strikes. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, some guys, I, I wore a long sleeve shirt every day I pitched. Yeah. Good. And even in warm-ups. Uh, I wore a rubber jacket from time to time, but I always wear a long sleeve shirt. Uh, I tried to, well, I did. I used the same glove every start. Okay. And at the end of the season, I used to give it away, give it to a kid. That's pretty cool. Six-finger glove. And then uh, the last uh, uh, go-around, I think I gave Barney Sterling some of my 20-game gloves. He was a team photographer. Oh, right. I used to wear a six-finger glove. Yeah. Made by Rollins. That's awesome. Um, so I guess this is uh, one of our last questions. Did you have a favorite road city to pitch in? <laughs> Did you ever show up somewhere and know that you, you owned that city? Connie Mack Stadium. <laughs> right. The team that traded me. Yeah. <laughs> Phillies. Yeah. Uh, I tell people all the time, I'd probably, if I had a chance to pitch in Yellowstone Park, no fences. Yeah. Couldn't give up a home run there. <laughs> so you came to Philly with a little bit of a, um, a chip on your shoulder? Not really. You know, and I, remember the team that traded me. Uh, I tell the story all the time. Uh, I'm 21 years old. I, they just brought me up September call-up and really happy. I had a chance to, to show the organization that I could pitch, I could survive as a pitcher. Uh, and I won a couple of ball games. The next year in spring training, I went from, I had Dallas Green's number, number 46. Mm -hmm. The next spring training, I had uniform number 30. Okay. So I said right away, I got this team made. Yep. I'm going to show them exactly what I can do. And, and they had me in the bullpen because they had enough starters. Second game I pitched, did pretty good out of the bullpen. Come in the next day, get my uniform on, run to the outfield with Shagger, fly ball, batting practice. That boy runs out to the outfield and says, Team Mock wants to talk to you. And I went, just in a flash in my head, they're going to send me back to AAA. Yeah. So I get in the office just like this. 
John Quinn is there, Gene Mock, and John Hernstein came in, and he said, we're waiting for Adolfo Phillips. He's, he's starting that night in center field. We've just made a trade with the Chicago Cubs, three for two. I went, oh, man, trade with the Cubs. <laughs> Last place teams? <laughs> Holy smoke. And I said to myself once before, I said, man, I'd hate to pitch in that ballpark. Yeah. you got to be careful what you wish for. Yep. <laughs> Wind Six months later, trade to the Cubs. <laughs> Do you remember who you were traded for? Larry Jackson and Bob Buell. Exactly, exactly. I'm guessing they regret yeah. that one a little bit. I'm sitting in the, in the office. This is really ironic, too. I'm sitting there. I'm here. Adolfo Phillips is there. And John Hernstein, who uh, he was signed by the same scout that signed me, Tony Lucadello. John Quinn announces the trade, telling everybody, Adolfo Phillips starts to cry. I went, I said, Adolfo, we're not going to the guillotine. He's <laughs> getting traded. Get a hold of yourself. Yeah, right. really. We're both, we're both 21 years old. Yeah. And we worked our, our damnedest to, to make the ball club and now they're trading us. Yeah. But it, it worked out for both of us. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure, like I said earlier, my grandma was, was plenty happy with that one. Oh, yeah. I remember she always talked about how, how handsome you were. So, <laughs> so congratulations. As a kid. You were, you were as right a kid, on, uh, as a kid I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's all we got. You got anything else, Jake? No, that's all we have. Thanks so much for joining us. What an honor it really pleasure. was. Yeah. My pleasure. So, everyone can find the link to, um, to Fergie's books, everything that he's a part of, Champions, 15 Inspiring Comeback Stories from Sports and Life. You can follow Fergie on social media. His Facebook um, is at Fergie Jenkins Cubs, and his Twitter is at 31FergieJenkins. So, Fergie, again, thank you so much. I like to consider us close personal friends now. Beautiful. <laughs> pleasure. All right. Pleasure. Thank awesome. you so much, Fergie. You're welcome. Wow, what an interview. What an interview. <laughs> That's good stuff. You might have heard Ari back there laughing. We told her she couldn't laugh, but here she is, <laughs> laughing away. You can say hi, Ari. <laughs> or All just right. get nervous. Well, it's it's a podcast. She waved at the camera. <laughs> She's dumb. So, big thank you to Fergie Jenkins for joining us. Incredible opportunity and experience. I got to hold a World Series ring, which I almost cried when he, <laughs> when he first gave it to me. It was so cool. And, yeah. yeah, thoughts, Jake? No, what a legend. That was an awesome interview. Great time. Uh, don't forget to check out his stat ball, too, which we heard about. Mm -hmm. He's got a new stat ball, which has his stats, his picture on it. You can buy it. We'll, uh, be he was sure tired of writing know. all of his accomplishments on a ball, so he just got a ball himself. Um, it's a really cool commemorative ball, so... We, uh, so yeah, so we are very, we're very thankful for Fergie Jenkins joining us. Don't forget to follow us at BackupQB underscore blog on the Twitter. Go to YouTube, look up Backup Quarterback as a channel. You can find us on there. Uh, like us on Facebook, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, download a lot of our episodes <laughs> at Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N-S-T-V-I-N-C-E-N-T is my Venmo. Um, I, I'm very poor. So Venmo me money. You can even insult me. Just pay me a dollar and just call me the, the meanest name you can. At Colton St. Vincent on Twitter. Jake is at JakeLuer1 on Twitter. BackupQuarterback.org. Check us out on YouTube. Colton's got some funny sketches up there. I said that. Oh, Backup Quarterback. Search Backup Quarterback Colton. It's the easiest way to find it. Absolutely. That, that's all I got. Ari, final thoughts. Go Cubs.
Go Cubs, she said. She's eating a uh, McFlurry in, in, in the back seat. So so that's that's how this. we interviewed a Hall of Famer, and now we're in the parking lot of a McDonald's, if we're being fully, uh, <laughs> we're being we made fully it. transparent. We finally made it. So go Cubs, go Fergie, go buy his books, go vote against net neutrality, or vote for net neutrality. I don't understand that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Fergie. Fergalicious <laughs> Check it out.